0: This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris
1: on TalkZone.com. Next up, Pro Football Hall of Famer John Hanna.
0: I see that you went to Alabama for college, but you're from Georgia. How did Georgia lose out on you?
1: Well, I actually was born in Georgia. Uh, My father played uh, football after he finished with the war at the University of Alabama. And uh, my mother... Uh, was a teacher and a professor at the University of Georgia. Um, and what happened when dad, dad was in naval pre-flight school when he was in the Navy, uh, he met my mom and, uh, even when he was in Alabama, you know, him and mom, you know, continued seeing each other and dating and stuff like that. So did Bill Bryant recruit you personally? He did when my little brother David signed, uh, you know, my dad, what happened is when Dad got out of the Navy, he had a, a good friend of his that he was in the Navy, a guy by the name of Rock McCants, who was from South Carolina. And, uh, you know, my dad grew up pretty rough. He was a sharecropper and all that stuff. And he uh, basically told Dad going to go into college, and Dad said, well, who did it take me? And uh Rock was a a big Clemson fan. So Dad went up to Clemson and said, Well what? He said, I got a half a VA scholarship. If y'all give me a half football scholarship, give me a bed to sleep in three meals a day, I'd love to come play football for y'all. And they said, Well Herb, we can give you the half scholarship and we can give you a bed to sleep in, but we only give you two meals a day. So Dad went down to the University of Alabama, and there's a guy there who coached Dad when he was in the Naval Pre-Flight School at Georgia, Hank Chris, and basically he agreed to Dad's terms. So basically for, you know, one price of one meal, Dad went to the University of Alabama, and uh, not only that, my Uncle Bill played there, I played there, my Brother Charlie played there, and my Brother David played there. So for price of one meal, they got five Hannahs. <laughs> who, who ended up eating a lot of meals uh, at the Crimson Tide training table? No yeah, my, my dad gave me no choice. I mean, I mean, he did, but he didn't. He said, "Well, you know, I thinking my uncle was out at Cal State Fullerton, and, and uh, he was coaching out there, and he was trying." And he said, "Well, if you're thinking about some other place out Alabama, you ought to think about Southern Cal." And I i said, okay. And, uh, so I said, anyway, I talked to Dad about it. And Dad said, well, that's great. You can go to any school you want to, but you just got to worry about where you're going to eat supper when you come home. So <laughs> I guess it was pretty well decided. What was Bear Bryant like? I had a high school coach that played for him, and I think he said it best. He said he wouldn't take a million dollars for the experience, but you couldn't pay him a million dollars to go through it again. <laughs> You know, he was, he was very tough. You know, he uh, demanded a whole lot from his players. And, uh, you know, I think he, when I was there, he he uh, basically uh, ruled by fear. Now, when you were in Alabama, you also did uh, some wrestling and some treks. So that didn't get you out of spring practice or anything? No. Well, but what we did is he, you know, when I signed. I said, "Well, coach, if I'm, I said I asked him if I could play, you know, proper track or wrestling." They said, "Sure." But so what I did the only days it get me out of spring practice if we had a meet I never got to practice uh throwing the shot or wrestling or anything. I just basically went and, and competed, but never got to really practice that much, you know, except. You know, I, I, all they got me out of was one, some of the winter gym classes. That was that was all.
0: Bear Bryant said you were the greatest lineman he ever coached. How did you feel when he said that?
1: I remember what he said the last time I talked to him I was at the university. Uh, we we're getting ready to go play Texas in the Cotton Bowl. And, uh, you know, we hadn't started yet. It was the first day of meetings. So, you know, I've been getting a lot of letters from the NFL and, you know, some things were floating around. So I said, I went up to him, uh, you know, we were hitting in a meeting and he was there and I said, Coach Brian, I said, you know, I don't want to talk about this now because I don't want to worry about, you know, getting off my, my mind off the game. But I said, you know, the draft is in late January. And, you know, what I'd like to do is when, the, when this game's over with, I, I was hoping I could come talk to you. And uh, you might advise me in hiring an agent. And uh Coach Brian looked at me square in eye and he said, John, you ain't good enough and need no damn lawyer. So, you know, that's what he I think that's what he really thought of me, not what he said later on. <laughs> As you anticipated the NFL draft, did, did you have a pretty good idea that you'd be uh a, a top five pick you ended up going number four pick to the New England Patriots in the first round in nineteen seventy three? Well, oh, I didn't think I'd go that high. To be honest with you, I thought it'd be about second or third rounder, maybe. But I didn't think it'd be that high. The Fairbanks had a—you know—I had a—I was—I was short. You know, I was—I was, I was I barely six three, uh, almost six three, one to two, depending on who you had the measure, right? And uh, everybody thought I was too short, uh, primarily because of my arm length. The Fairbanks, I think realized that although I was only 6'3", I had a 37-inch uh, sleeve length, which means I'm probably the only guy that can scratch his ankle without bending over. <laughs> so that ab- abnormality in my physique, I guess, allowed me to have the long arms to keep that pass rush away from me uh, once I finally learned how to use it. And uh you know, I think he saw that and was willing to take that chance. And basically, he took a lot of ridicule for drafting me so high.
0: What was it like when you joined the Patriots?
1: It wasn't much of an organization, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, it was like a step down from the University of Alabama. Uh, you know, I was used to playing in Birmingham, and we are playing for 80,000 people. And here I go to, you know, Patriots, and it was only their stadium only held about 50,000 to 55,000. Uh, football wasn't the same if there was more New York Giant fans than there was Patriot fans. Uh, the facilities were just awful uh, compared to what we had in Alabama. So it was really a step down. I was shocked that it was so bad. And your coach, your first coach there was uh, Chuck Fairbanks, who. Right. You know, he's the best coach I ever had. As a matter of fact, I, you know, in my opinion, he is the best coach I ever had. What made him so good? He wasn't uh, intimidated by anybody. He surrounded himself with people that were smarter than him, and he listened to them. He didn't have a big ego. Uh, he had great organizational skills, uh, probably the best I've ever seen. And uh, he just had an eye for talent, not only in uh, players but in coaches. And he listened to his players. You know, he wasn't tutorial if, if his players if he disagreed with his players he'd actually he' do what he wanted to do but he'd listen and uh you know and say you know to take it into consideration when he made decisions and uh, I just thought he was, and, I, and he liked offense which you know was something unusual for me with coach Bryant N- offense for him was a, like a necessary evil but uh you know coach Fairbanks, he liked offense and, uh, that's it, me fine. Now in that 73 draft, the Patriots also had a uh, another first round pick in Sam Cunningham. Had two first rounders. Had Sam Bam and Darrell Stingley. Okay. So they had themselves a pretty good draft. Yeah, it was a great, a, a, a great draft, you know. Uh, you know, I was just I was very fortunate to play with both of them. And, uh, you know, it was just really, you know, I think that 73 draft and then the 76 draft were, you know, probably the best drafts, uh, that the Patriots ever really had. I, I, in my opinion, you know, we had, we got some great players in 73. You know, we got Steve Nelson in 74, uh, got Brogan in what, 74, 75, uh, and then, you know, in 76, we got, uh, Mike Haynes, Tim Fox, and, uh, Pete Rock. So that was a pretty good draft.
0: I mean, Darryl Stingley was a talent. It was a shame when he got injured with uh, Jack Tatum there because he could have had a long career.
1: Oh, yeah. Darryl was a great, great player. As a matter of fact, he was really just coming into his own, you know, when he got hurt. And uh, not only was he a great ball player, but he's a really good human being. And, uh, you know, it was you know, it was a devastating blow for our team. But, you know, Coach Fairbanks, You know, did what he always does. You know, he went out and got a trade, and all of a sudden here he comes and he brings in Harold Jackson. So, you know, Harold Jackson came in and filled in pretty good. So we had, then we had Harold Jackson on one side and Stanley Morgan on the other. So it was pretty good, pretty good. he, like I say, Coach Fairbanks had an eye for talent. He knew how to bring it in.
0: And you had a pretty good tight end at Russ Francis
1: had a real good tight end in Russ Francis. When Russ wanted to strap it on, there wasn't a better tight end in the league. How quickly did you know that you were going to be successful on the NFL level? I never did. If you ever think you're going to be a success, you let up.
0: Who gave you the toughest time uh what defensive lineman?
1: Uh all around run block for it. Pass run Go all
0: different.
1: around. Well, all around, probably I'd say you know, it's between Joe Clecko and Howie Long. Those are the two toughest all-around ball players I ever played against. Uh, there are a few others. Uh, I think you know, Doug English was real good. Uh, Reed was my Reed was real good. Uh, then you got pass rushers. You know, it's hard to beat Alan Page and and uh, uh, Randy White, the awful good pass rushers. Um, the best I've you know I ever went against anyway, in my opinion, uh, Hans Johnson wasn't too bad either at San Diego, and then uh, run, you know, uh, uh, shoot, uh, well the fridge for one thing it's like trying to move the side of a warehouse, uh, is a darn big, and then uh, oh man, I can see him and, and he came with the Patriots for a while I can't think for Pittsburgh. Uh the little short short but strong and tough. Oh, what was his name? Greenwood, Joe Green, yep. Dwight White, and when I want to think of his name, I can't think of it. Uh, I can't think. Oh no. He was he was he was a tough guy too.
0: And then you ended up with one of the worst coaches in Patriots history, Ron Meyer.
1: I I promised I I promised myself not to say anything bad about folks. <laughs> let's hear, let's hear clear of that one. When you came into the league uh, at quarterback, you had Jim Plunkett. What was he like? Jim was a great guy and a great quarterback. The problem was, you know, when you time, we were at, we were running four and five man patterns, which meant that the quarterback needed to get off the get the ball off in two point eight to three seconds. Uh, you know, and and unfortunately. Jim, you know, uh, when you time him to a 40, well, you, you had to bring a, a sandwich, you know, to do it. And he was pretty slow, but you know, had an arm, he could hit the eye of a needle at 50 yards. So what happened, you know, he went out to San Francisco and had the same results. And the reason why, they were running four and five man patterns. But when he got to the Raiders, you know, they were running three or four man patterns, which meant they always had another guy in there to help block it. Which basically bought him another second, because now you're talking about three and a half to four seconds to get rid of the ball. And that fit, you know, when Jim found that extra half a second, he tore people up. And, uh, he was that kind of quarterback. You know, he, he fit into that scheme, and he was just, you know, his talent finally got displayed. I mean, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, he just didn't fit into that quick release type of offense like we had. We gotta get back set and throw. But where he could sit back there in that rocking chair with the Raiders, shoot he tore people up.
0: But Grogan was your leader. I mean you had about eight, ten successful years with Grogan, made multiple playoffs, made that Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, yeah Grogan probably was the best quarterback I I've ever played with. Uh was and he was a great quarterback. And it was a travesty the way his career ended, because a lot of the coaches that, you know, the, the assistant coaches and, and that came in afterwards, and I think maybe the owners, because they had invested so much, tried to put faith in, you know, another quarterback that we had drafted who probably had great skills, but maybe didn't have the courage that Grogan had.
0: When I think of uh, Tony Easton, I think of that Super Bowl against the Bears with uh, Wilbur Marshall, Otis Wilson, and Hampton on top of him, which was a cover of SI. Yeah, I, I, I remember that too. I think the defensive line you were thinking of with the Steelers was Ernie
1: Holmes. You got it, Ernie Holmes. That's very <laughs> silent. Yeah. yeah, Ernie was one. He's, he is one tough dude. What was that Super Bowl twenty like for the Patriots? Because you're going up against one of the great defenses, if not the greatest defense in NFL history. Well, it was a unique defense because, you know, Buddy Ryan realized that you can always send one more guy than the offense can block. And uh, it gave everybody a lot of headaches until they figured, started figuring it out. And then they had great talent. You know, you had Richard Dent, a great fast rusher, yeah Dan Hampton, a great ball player, Dave Tipton who used to be with us and our you know the dumb coaches we had traded him away. That wasn't that era that you were talking about previously that I didn't want to comment on but so anyway you know uh um there there was a great defense they had great linebackers had great defensive backs you know if you remember that year the only people that the only team that beat him was Miami. And the reason they beat them, if you remember that game, they dropped back and they ran what they call a turmoil. You know, the quarterback would drop back, everybody would shoot, they'd send the blitz, and then Reno would basically roll away from the blitz. And that bought them an extra second, and, and uh, Dupree and them were able to, you know, get open then. You know, Buddy Ryan says I can cover anybody for two seconds, man on man, and you ain't going to have it two seconds because I'm blitz more than you can pick up and you know, Sheila said well no you can't because I'm going to roll my quarterback out and you won't get to him in two seconds and, and he was able to beat him that way.
0: Raymond Berry said the problem he had was he basically when he took over that team he tried to keep it simple and he said if he would have had more time with the team he would have been ready for that Bears defense
1: I think that's probably true um, you know and that um, I think Another thing that hurt us, um, you know, there was a, in the middle of the week. There was an emotional letdown. Um, rumors spread throughout the offense that Groves was going to be ready to play, and the whole offense got excited about it. And they were, you know, we were lifted up. Man, I mean, I'm telling you, we were lifted up. The Groves was going to be back, and uh, all of a sudden, the coaches came in after a practice one day. And said, you know, Brogdon's ready, but you know, Tony's got the start and nod. And I think a lot of the the guys basically were let down because of that. And there was a real feeling in the locker room that, uh-oh, you know, uh oh, you know. And I think that, I think that hurt our, us emotionally. Plus, there were a lot of things going on. Uh, we found out after the game some of the guys that were being. You know, there's some article that the Boston Globe reporter had regarding, you know, drug issues and things like that. So everybody was thinking about what was coming in the newspaper the day after the game. And um, it was just kind of, uh, it's crazy. Uh, so, you know, we, you know, we got there, but well, you know, we weren't all there when, uh, when the game actually was played. Not that we could have, you know, beat them, but, I think we could have probably gotten a lot closer. Now you teamed with Leon Gray, who was a tackle, to form one one of the the great left sides in uh, NFL history. Yeah. Do you guys did you guys form a bond of sorts? The closest of bonds. I, I uh, when they uh, traded Leon away, I was a mad I was a, I was I, I was mad at Hornet. Uh, that was nineteen seventy nine. And uh I love Leon. I thought the world of it. And uh it was the worst thing they could have done for our team and it was the worst thing they could have done for Leon.
0: Uh,
1: you think they traded uh, him away because do you think they traded him away because you and he held out in seventy seven? Oh yeah, that's exactly why they did it. And, and we were going to be coming up for contract. You know, we played out, uh, we got 78, 79, 80 was our last contract year. So after 1980, Big Dog and I we were going to do the same thing. We both be up for contract <laughs> at the same time. So that's what they do. They got rid of it.
0: And Elvin Bethea said that was the happiest day of his life when uh, Gray got traded to the Oilers.
1: Absolutely, wouldn't you? If you had one of the greatest offensive linemen in the league, That you know, I mean, shoot fire. I'd be happy too if I was Elvin. Uh, there's no question about it, but I, I wasn't happy. And I'll I, I let it be known. Uh, I was very, very upset. I, I was very angry when I found out about it.
0: That was another good move by Ron Meyer.
1: That was before him, but it was huh. still the whole thing that, I mean, basically it was Les Steckle. When Fairbanks left, you know, the, the owners kind of gave more power to Les Steckle than they gave to Ron Earhart. And Les Deckel knew how to play the politics. And, uh, you know, he wanted control and he did more to screw up the Patriots than anybody in, that had ever been there That I, while I was there. And I, he was awful. Not Les Deckel. I mean, uh, uh, Les Deckel was the offensive coordinator. Who's the, Dick Steinberg. Dick Steinberg was the guy. He was, oh, was he awful. He was awful. Give a favorite? block that you ever made in the course of your career? Play what? Is there one play that, that stands out in your career, that, a block that you made that, that may be the high, one of the highlights? No. I, th- I think there's certain games that might stand out uh, that, I, you know, I remember. Uh, but, uh, not individual play so much. How did
0: it feel when you were named the number one guard on the 75th anniversary NFL team?
1: That was pretty good. It felt good. I, uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, you, you know, beauty is in the eyes of the ball, and to be named that it was pretty, pretty special. Now, you had two brothers who played the NFL. Was there anybody in the Hannah family that. It ended up as a running uh, I back? Have, well, I have one. My dad played in the NFL, and my brother Charlie played in the NFL, but my David, David, my youngest okay. brother, didn't get to because of knee injuries. Okay. Charlie got a Super Bowl ring, right? Yeah, that's another story. <laughs> he never shows that off, does he? Well, what happened? I was in 83, and I was trying to get traded. And, uh, you know, I found out some of this last week, you know, this last what, couple of weeks with ESPN, they were talking about how Ursay uh, had talked to the Solmans and were trade, going to trade Elway if they gave gave me to them and maybe another draft or something like that, and the Patriots wouldn't wouldn't trade me. Well, what I was hoping was, I was you know, I, I heard there was some interest with the Raiders, so I was hoping I'd go with the Raiders. And uh I think Al was trying to get a hold of me. So Charlie, my brother, was down in Tampa, and he wanted to stay in Tampa, but he wanted to make a little more money. So we were both sitting at home in Alabama, and one Friday or Saturday night, we went to the catfish place to eat some uh, catfish and hush puppies. And uh, Charlie wasn't showing up. Charlie, So finally he came in, he's a hang, hang dog, you know. His head was bowed, and he said, oh, oh, oh so what's wrong? He said, I've been traded. I said, Where well, you been traded? And he said, The Raiders. And I said, You sorry, son of a gun, you bought, you stole my job. <laughs> so he goes out to the Raiders, uh, gets to where they change his number to seventy three. Uh they instead of playing tackle, they move him to left guard and he wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're I, trying to I convince people that they that, got John Hanna instead of Charlie Hannah. Well, yeah. I mean Al basically Charlie tells me he, says, when he was out there and Al came up to Charlie and says, Charlie, you know why we, we got you, don't you? And Charlie said, No, he says, because the Patriots wanted two number ones for John. And he said, He's good, but he's not worth two number ones. The Tampa Bay only wanted a fourth rounder for you. <laughs> another one of your, your
0: team another one of your teammates got traded to the Raiders and Mike Haynes.
1: Yeah, Mike Haynes, uh, Don Hasselbeck, uh, quite a few of them went out there. And, uh, Shelby, jo- wasn't Shelby Jordan out there for a while? Right. Uh, and all I had great, good careers out there. But, you know, I got, I got to enjoy being with the Sullivan family. <laughs> how did you know when it was time to call it a career? Huh? How did you how know when I it was to call time? A career? Yes, sir. Um, I was very really good friends with uh, the orthopedic surgeon uh, that we got, um, Bert Zierens. And uh, I tore torn a posterior cruciate in 1977, which the the trainer and the, and the doctors basically had told me that it was a, a strain. But... Anyway, it never got better, so when I went to a legitimate doctor, they actually told me that it was torn. But back then, they couldn't do what they could do now. You know, they're going to have to reroute the hamstring in the front of the knee, and he said, it is only about 50% successful. So, I went to Bert, and I said, well, Bert, well, here's the deal. I said, if you ever see a situation where, you know, you think I could cripple myself for life, uh, I want you to tell me. He said, alright, so after the Bears game, I'd already had, you know, both my shoulders operated on, and once that healed up, before I could kind of get around a little bit, they decided to work on my knee. So I went in for my knee surgery, and uh, after I got out, he called me down to his office. I went there. He said, John, you remember what you asked me? I said, yeah. He says, and he started telling me about everything. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, John, I tell you, he says, you could play. But if I had another job that I could make a living at, I think I'd do that instead. and so that's what it was. That, it was my left knee uh, that caused me to end my career and you know I, I would hoped uh, you know I was hoping to get at least three more years in, but uh, because they had lied to me and told me it was a strain, they went instead of a torn one and not let, and let me go ahead and get it fixed you know during the season. It cut my career short.
0: When you went in the Hall of Fame, what was going through your mind?
1: Uh, I can't believe I'm here. Uh, Why am I sitting with all these guys? Did you have a favorite player growing up? Yeah, I mean, you know, Green Bay was kind of my team uh, because, you know, we didn't have any professional teams here, but we followed out Alabama, U.S. Alabama players. And I always liked Barstar. And so when I started... Watching Green Bay, uh, always, I also like I start watching their line. and So, you know, Fuzzy Thurston became a favorite of mine.
0: I see that your brother was at the Bowl Championship game last year when Alabama played Notre Dame. Were you there too?
1: No, I was watching it on TV. I was a smart one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How come you weren't an Alabama quarterback? It seems like they get the beautiful women all the time. Bart
1: Starr, the quarterback now. <laughs> I know. That's part of it. They get the, uh, that's the quarterbacks. They have the time and they're not too beat up, especially nowadays. So, uh, they get all the gals. Uh, us all offensive linemen, we're all scarred up, fat, and beat up. So, they don't want to be around us. I had to dive a pork chop around my neck just to get my dog to come to me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a favorite running back to block for? You made him a little while ago. I think there's two. Uh, well, maybe three that I would say. I love to block uh, for Mac Caron. I love to block for Andy Johnson. Uh, Andy Johnson was the smartest running back I think I ever blocked for. Uh, and then I love to block for Sam Cunningham. And that boy, that guy was unbelievable. He, he, he had it all. He was, he was a great athlete.
0: All right, that does it for this week. Thank you to a couple of Pro Football Hall of Famers, Jim Kelly and John Hanna, to our Hall of Fame executive producer, Dave
1: Olson. Tune in again next time to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com.